My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week we're heading back to South America for the first time in ages. About bloody time I hear you say. I know, I know, but I do have so many suggestions. It's really tricky to cover them all, but I promise I will get to your favourite cryptid. And also you can always like shortcut it if you ping me and let me know what your favourite one is, but that's fine. Anyway, we're looking at the terrifying Chupacabra this week, which is very much considered a legendary cryptid of South America. This creature is one of the most well-known cryptids in the world. Whenever I talk about podcasts in the real world, people do always ask me if I've covered them yet. My answer is now yes. Yes, I have. The Chupacabra is most commonly described as basically a weird-looking, hairless dog. It has long spikes coming out of its spine, kind of like a stegosaurus, massive claws and teeth, and overly pronounced bright red eyeballs, like a big old fish. And I know what you're thinking, kind of sounds like a weird mix between a dog and a lizard, and you're kind of right. Sometimes they are described as a dog-reptile hybrid, as they look quite scaly and gross, like a lizard, but just grosser and very much larger. The other description is that of an almost dragon-alien hybrid. Standing at three or four foot tall with leathery scales and wings and massive glowing red eyes. Very much reptilian in appearance, but the way it gets around is hopping like a kangaroo. In fact, one person apparently saw one jump about 20 foot. So that's a pretty big jump, I totally believe that. There are technically three different types of chupacabra based on where they're from. These monsters are mostly found in the Americas, specifically Puerto Rico, Canada and New Orleans in the States. Depending on where you are, they're called different things, however they're mostly named after the place, so it's the Canadian chupacabra or the Puerto Rican chupacabra. But the really fun one is the American one, which is called Grunch, which I love by the way. I'm also imagining them in stereotypical outfits of where they're all from. I really hope that's the thing that identifies them. Sheriff, I saw a Canadian chupacabra. Oh boy, how do you know? Well, it was in a Mounties outfit. Of course it was. It said when approaching these creatures, you'll smell them before you see them. They apparently stink of sofa or of rotten eggs and they'll scream and hiss at you before their eyes glow a bright red and that apparently makes you throw your guts up. I realise that as a Myth Monsters podcaster, that statement might be taken literally. I mean you'll vom, you'll chunder or you'll be sick all over yourself, not actually launch your organs across the veranda. Although speaking of that, they are a fan of organs, but more importantly, blood. 
They are a vampiric based creature, yes, another one I hear you say, but honestly there are bloody loads of them, it's not just vampires I'm afraid. This one's really similar to the Sigbin from a couple of weeks ago in the Philippines, although positive for us, they tend to only go for livestock and pets, so keep your cats inside and your chickens in their coops. Apparently it makes a really gross sound when it's sucking the life out of these creatures, I don't have an example. I could suck some milkshake through a straw for emphasis, but I know some people are really averse to eating and drinking noises, so I'll, I'll spare you this time. I'll spare you. I will not spare you from future tambourine performances though, I'm afraid. That's just part of me. If you don't like it, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. That's just me. Now, my favourite etymology. The word chupacabra, if you didn't guess, is Spanish. The word comes from two words, chupa, meaning to suck, and cabras, meaning goats. Legit, all it means is goat sucker, which I think is a great nickname for someone you don't particularly like. Fun fact is that this name was coined back on air in 1995, when a comedian on the radio was talking about an attack in San Jose. So that's really fun. It was first notably seen in 1995 in Puerto Rico, however they have been seen all over the place since, such as Canada, Mexico, Paraguay and even the southern US states. However, the first sighting was possibly the most famous. Back in 95, real good year because Yagao came into existence, eight sheep were found completely drained of all of their blood. They had three identical puncture marks in their chests, but they generally thought it was a fox. However, there had been a whole load of similar attacks in the past 20 years with increasing regularity. An eyewitness found, and her name was Madeline Tolentino, she described the monster and it became the most famous description of the chupacabra that still exists, and actually was drawn up. It's of that second description I gave you, very much an alien reptilian creature, and you can still look this up, it's probably the most common picture you'll see of the chupacabra around. It's of that alien looking species, generally quite frightening, but that's how she generally described it. It will be really familiar to any of you cryptid fans, it is proper infamous with cryptids and monster fans around the world. There were loads of sightings within 95, with one group of 30 people seeing a massive swarm of chupacabras flying overhead. Then in November, across Puerto Rico, farmers awoke to find all of their cattle, poultry and pets completely drained with just puncture holes for evidence of their deaths. By the end of the year, chupacabras had been blamed for the deaths of 1,000 farm animals and pets, and people were actually pretty shaken up as they should be really. No one could really figure out what these creatures were, and by early 1997 they had entered into the Cryptid Hall of Fame. Back to our kind of time though, in 2010 they found and caught a supposed chupacabra in Texas, however when they took it to the vet they found that it actually was a coyote, which had horrific mange and parasites which were incredibly contagious, especially in domesticated animals. I generally won't look this up because of the pictures of these poor dogs. They look really emancipated and sick. It's really generally a horrible sight. Unless you really have to, I wouldn't advise looking them up. However, it does make sense as to how this legend could spread very much like this disease, as it could spread so fast and quickly across the wild dog and coyote population, which is vast in the areas where this is spotted. 
Then if they also have livestock, which dogs would generally chase or be around as pets, it would make sense that they have a bite wound. However, it doesn't explain the blood draining, so there is definitely room for speculation there. So why has the Chupacabra legend stuck around? It's been a while since 95. Trust me, I know better than most people. So there was a thing called the Chupacabra Hysteria, which was another name for a political crisis back in the mid-1990s. This was because Puerto Rico felt that they were being exploited by the Americans, who, if you don't know geography, own Puerto Rico. It is an American island. It's in the Caribbean, beautiful by all accounts. There was a massive anti-US feeling throughout the island at this time, and the US government actually had a load of secret scientific bases in the rainforests. Some locals believe that the US scientists created the Chupacabra in a lab and allowed it to escape to assert dominance over the local populace. It's an interesting story, really not sure if it's true, but if so, it's a really cool political and historical tidbit behind a monster that is unbelievably legendary and so unrelated to that bit of history that they have over in Puerto Rico. On to cultural significance this week. It's kind of an easy one for media, but it's not so easy for art. I would generally do my usual for this one for cryptids and suggest you have a look at independent artwork on places like DeviantArt or wherever you get your art from, as this is very different from a mythical beast where there are sometimes portraits or paintings. It's very much a modern monster, therefore there's not going to be much around it. For movies, there are a couple, and some of them are really fun, such as Hotel Transylvania 3, Scooby-Doo, Land of the Lost, Chupacabra Territory, Chupacabra vs. the Alamo, Chupacabra Dark Seas, and they were actually the inspiration behind the movie Monster in Species. For TV, there's a lot of kid stuff, but there are also some really weird adult picks in here, like South Park is a weird one, but then there's X-Files Grimm, our usual for those two. Then there's Jackie Chan Adventures, Ben 10, Grimm Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Dexter's Laboratory, and then again another usual, it's Mounted Monsters, which we've mentioned a couple of times before on the podcast. Quite good for those Appalachian monsters like Mothman, Bigfoot, stuff like that lacking for video games this week I'm afraid but you do have Scribblenauts Unlimited and always with our legendary monsters Magic the Gathering which isn't a video game but it counts as a game so I'm going to count it here forgive me my book recommendation this week is Cryptozoology A to Z by Lauren Coleman which as it sounds is an A to Z of cryptic creatures so if you're into finding out more about the Chupacabra, Mothman, Bigfoot, whatever that's your encyclopedia on how to get started it's an absolutely brilliant book or for the slightly more fun less educational so to say you've got the Adventures in Cryptozoology by Richard Freeman which again really fun read highly recommend you can find all of these on Amazon or wherever you get your books from Now it's time for Do I think they existed? Now I'm sure some people are really behind this one being real, just like Mothman, but I really do think this is just an animal that has been mistaken for a chupacabra, only because if you look at similar pictures of supposed chupacabras, they do look extremely similar to coyotes or wild doggies. Now obviously this is not confirmed, but they do just really look like skinny doggies to me, just saying. 
Although saying this, the mange and parasites eating them alive and making them look gross is pretty understandable. However, what is not understandable is how all of the livestock had their blood completely drained. We know that not many creatures in the wild do this without A, being really small like a mosquito or a bat, or B, eating the rest of the animal and not just drinking their blood. So it's an interesting one to ponder. According to a couple of my sources, there's an estimated growing population of chupacabras in the wild that apparently we're completely unaware of. But I guess we'll see. Again, I'm very glad I live across the pond in moments like these. The chupacabra is such a fun one. I know it was anticipated for a little while on the podcast, so I'm really glad we had a chance to cover it, especially during the spooky time of the year. It seems we have a kind of vampiric theme going for this month, feel really bummed actually that we covered the Bennu last week and not some other blood-sucking monster. Maybe I should have moved the Mananangal to that week, but I guess it was a nice break from all the bloodshed to just talk about a lovely Egyptian god bird. That was nice. Next week it's Halloween! Oh my god! Well it's not technically Halloween, it's the week before Halloween, so our episode comes out on the 28th, so very close. Halloween is actually on a Sunday this year. I would so love to publish it on Halloween itself, but it's a Sunday. It's the day of rest. I do not do anything on a Sunday. Nothing at all. So that's not going to happen. However, it's my favourite time of the year, so I'm going to be doing a spooky special on one of the most famous myth monsters of all time. You've guessed it, probably. It's the vampire. This will be a bit of a longer episode than usual. It is an actual special. We're doing a big thing. There's so much to cover, but it's a Halloween one. It's going to be really fun. I might even throw in a little trivia just for funsies. Who knows? But I want to suck your blood next Thursday, just before the scariest day of the year. But now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on got the twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next and i'd really love to hear from you the social media handles for tiktok and instagram are myth monsters podcast and the twitter is myth monsters pod we're certainly getting somewhere with the twitter i am really interactive on it so if you fancy asking me a question or whatever just having a chat i would love to chat with you ping me on there i'll be happy to get back to you All of our content, though, can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, especially those references that I've mentioned every episode with books, movies, TV and video games. You can also find us on Good Pods now and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast. You know, if you feel like helping out your girl, come join the fun. Shirts with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes.